You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of the Screeners. I'm Chad. And I'm Daniel. And with us today also is a very special guest, no stranger to the Screeners Podcast Network, co-host of the Next Trek podcast, writer, pop culture geek extraordinaire, and his biggest claim to fame, brother of Daniel. So we've got (laughs) Tyler here. Tyler, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Going to be, yeah, going to be doing even better. I think we're going to talk about two very different and uh, and awesome movies. Or maybe they're not awesome. We'll find out. So today we're going to have a very specific discussion around two films, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri and Lady Bird. So without any further ado, we're going to jump right into our first review of Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. I guess you're Angela Hayes' mother. That's right. I'm Angela Hayes' mother. So, Mildred Hayes, why did you put up these billboards? My daughter Angela was murdered seven months ago. It seems to me the police department is too busy torturing black folks to solve actual crime. What the hell is this? I think we got kind of a problem. Sunshine beating on a good time. I'd do anything to catch your daughter's killer. I don't think those billboards is very fair. The time it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby. Some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now. The town is dead set against these billboards. You know who threw that can? What can? How about you, sweetheart? Uh, no, I, I didn't really... Go, girl. That's from the trailer of Three Billboards. I think I'm going to just call it Three Billboards, so I don't have to say the entire title every time. Can we just adopt that as Fair. a rule to have a, to have a okay second that. to that motion? Okay. Three Billboards is the third film from director Martin McDonough, who has done Seven, Psychopaths, and In Bruges. Now, we don't have time to get too deep into those particular films, but overall, are, were you guys fans of uh, In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths? Tyler, uh, you're our guest today. Tell us a little bit about those uh, first two. Well, I I have seen both of them, but both were a while ago, particularly in Bruges. That one um, was really big when we were in when I was in college. But honestly, I need to rewatch them. I I couldn't even tell you much about them other than I really enjoyed them. So you did, and and how about you, Daniel? Yeah, same. I haven't seen Seven Psychopaths, but yeah, same with In Bruges. Uh, I watched it when I was in high school and remember loving it, but don't remember real the specifics of, of why. I've seen In Bruges maybe three times, I think, uh, and, and I'm a big fan of that movie. And I think that with this trilogy, you now they're not linked together, but three war- three films that uh, work together, I think we're starting to see some common themes develop. And as we talk about this movie specifically, maybe we can get into to more of that. But this is a movie that has been garnering a lot of potential award attention. I don't know that a lot of people expected that uh, from McDonough uh, when this was first announced, but uh, we should say that it has just an absolutely stellar cast from Francis McDormand down to Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell, Peter Dinklage, John Hawks, right on down the line. And so what I thought we would do first before we get into our general thoughts on the film is let's just talk a little bit about some of the award buzz that's going uh, around this movie. So, Daniel, what are you hearing? Yeah, we we mentioned this movie when uh, Chad and I did our bonus episode a few weeks back on the Oscars, and we'll hopefully do another one of those episodes soon, catch you up on the entire awards awards race. But I had mentioned that Three Billboards was kind of a maybe a front runner for Best Picture at the time. Now things have shifted. Uh, I no longer think it's it's uh, a front runner for Best Picture. 
but it is still getting a lot of awards attention, specifically for Sam Rockwell uh, the most, and we'll talk about his the specifics of his performance in our review, but he's definitely garnering a lot of attention, as is Frances McDormand, for her role as Mildred. Uh, so outside of that, we'll most likely see it show up in uh, Picture and maybe a couple other places. It's definitely got a shot at winning Best Screenplay. Uh, so yeah, it'll be kind of an all-around awards contender. As far as wins, not sure it's a, it's a slam dunk for any particular wins, but definitely a huge, huge uh, movie this season. Absolutely. So Tyler, do you have anything that you'd like to add to that? And I, I don't keep up with the, the statistics and stuff like that as much as Daniel does, but just, I mean, if you want to see some amazing performances, particularly by Francis McDormand and, and uh, Sam Rockwell, and, and I don't want to discount Woody Harrelson, you know, he, he often plays himself, and, and there are moments in this where he's very Woody Harrelson, but I'd say he's he's much more, he's much more uh, subtle and human than I've seen him in a while, um, although I heard that Glass Castle, he was, um, he was really great, but I, I haven't seen that one yet yeah so we're gonna i'm excited to talk about this with you guys specifically as it relates to mcdormand's performance so let's just do this uh we will go straight into our general thoughts we're going to keep this spoiler free for our listeners at home we will definitely dive into spoilers toward the end but let's just get right into it guys and since tyler you're our special guest we'll give you the honor of going first and tell us what did you think about three billboards uh, I, I mean the trailer the trailer really stood out to me i was very excited to see it i like I like kind of those slow burn, almost Southern Gothic looking kind of movies. Those are, it's really my, my thing. Um, but I didn't, I guess, know what to expect uh, from the from the actual story itself. Uh, on one hand, there's one trailer that makes it look like it's just a straight up murder mystery, you know, with this lady who's running around town kicking butt and taking names. And then on another hand, there's another trailer, um, which I hadn't seen at first, that makes it look like it's a... A dark comedy and it really kind of I think straddles the line between those two things really well um, it is it's tragic it's about this lady who just is at the end of her line who she has no um, she has been literally beaten down you know for years and years and years she has not been heard especially for the last year after her daughter uh, was raped and murdered and it's just her stepping out and saying I am done with this. I am not taking any more. I will be heard. And it's it's brilliant. So what about you, Daniel? Did you agree that this is a, a, a brilliant film? Did this live up to the expectations that you may have had going in? It really did. Uh, I've seen this movie twice now, and it, it's just such an interesting movie. I think more than any other movie this year, it's, it, it's a film that was constantly surprising me as we went. I really never knew exactly where it was going the character choices the it, it was just so intriguing and surprising and maybe if we dive into spoilers we can talk a little bit more about those surprising choices but the film just never goes in the direction at least i expected it to it's not it's not perfect um we can talk again specifics later on but just talking broadly this is it's it's a violent crude movie but it's profound and it's darkly funny uh i i thought there were lots of of great hilarious moments and lots of moments that really landed for me in terms of its emotion and and what it has to say about it looks at the the really blurry line between justice and vengeance and i don't think it really gives you an easy answer so um i thought i thought that was really a, a great way to go it's a very confrontational movie um, and I can definitely see how that would be off-putting to some. This isn't a, a sweet and a southern charm kind of movie. It's, it's not that at all. Um, there's a lot of 
crude language, offensive characters. Um, but for me, the astounding cast, uh, I mean, like we mentioned before, I mean, this cast is just incredible. One of the best overall like ensembles of the year, no doubt, for me. And it just kept the movie grounded in emotion. There are sequences in here that have really stuck with me, one scene in particular. And I just, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, I, I think I actually did like it slightly less the second time around, actually. Um, wow, okay. Which is interesting. I, I didn't quite expect that. But... Um, I still really, really love this movie. I think the second time around, maybe because I was I was less surprised by the directions it was taking, so I could take in more of the rest of, uh, more of the rest of the movie. And I, I the 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 offensive language really did stand out to me, which isn't something I am not offended by by language by any means. But there's a lot of it here, and um, actually Tyler is the one who pointed it out. He texted me um, after he saw the film and was talking about how. Just the the language they use to refer to women, uh, everything's a B word or a C word, um, and, and only it almost exclusively referring to the women. Like yeah, everybody everybody weird. swears in the movie, but it's just like Mildred herself. Sorry to to butt in like this, but Mildred yeah. herself is never not not never. Sorry, she's rarely referred to by her name. Maybe only when she's present with like Woody Harrelson if they're talking or something like that. But generally, if she's off screen and they're talking about her, it's that B or that C or her kids referring to her yeah. as U B U C. It's 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 really. It was so I think to me. I think the second time I watched it, I kind of took that in a little bit more. Which, like I said, I, I don't get offended by that. I you know, and there are much worse movies than this. But for some reason, it just felt I don't know. It just felt more present in this film. So so anyway, all that said, this is still an excellent movie, really memorable for me, and uh, I highly recommend it. Yeah, and to dovetail on what you guys are saying, we should say that this film is not without controversy. There have been articles written about how it endorses racism, and not just in the way that it treats women, but that the way that uh, it treats people of color. And and, but but for me, I I honestly think that that is not that this is an excuse, but I think that's part of the point and part of the world that it's trying to create is that it's trying to show this town uh, as a place where this is just how things happen. And McDormand's character has, has, without going into spoilers, because we definitely will, but has had such a long history of being not seen and being abused and absolutely pushed to the side that she hits her breaking point and this is really the story of her vengeance if you will or retribution against the town itself the idea of the town now that goes through the lens of her confrontation with chief willoughby and specifically the police officers investigating her her daughter's case but it really is her rage against everything in her life and I think that what I was referencing earlier about McDonough's films is that all three of his films although they're definitely tonally different seem to be driven the the engine I guess I'd put it this way the the engine that drives these movies is really uh, revenge and retribution in in some sense certainly in this one I, I have to agree with with what everybody said if there were if there was an Academy Award for best ensemble cast this one uh, this one this year may take may take it. It, it. There's not a bad performance in this movie. I do also agree that 
even though this film is really driven by violence and retribution and awful things happening, it's also darkly funny. It yeah. really, there are moments of absolute hilarity. Uh, in the midst of this, uh, the the writing is, is razor sharp for the most part. I mean, there's a lot of banter that happens back and forth in this film. And, and, and I'll also say that this is certainly not a traditional uh, mystery narrative where you think that you're going to go in and get this one thing where we're trying to solve this this problem uh, the movie is not that movie what it what it becomes I think is it's almost like a one one upsmanship where the two sides escalate against each other throughout the the course of this movie which builds and builds and builds so McDormand's character will do something and then the someone else will do something back to her and then she takes it up a notch and then they take it up a notch and so it starts to ratchet up this plot progression to a point where you are expecting something you don't know what because I agree with you Daniel one of the strengths of this film is that you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know where it's going uh, but the journey of getting there is very interesting and as it ratchets up the tension and it gets more and more and more and more it then pivots and then becomes something else entirely. And we'll talk about that when we get into spoilers. But I do want to say that this is this is an excellent movie. I think it's a gorgeous movie. It looks great. I'll also say, too, that one of the things, Daniel, that you mentioned when we're talking about awards talk is the talk that Sam Rockwell's character is getting as Dixon. And I have to agree with that. One yeah. of the first notes that I wrote when I left this movie is Sam Rockwell is on another level in this movie. Now, I understand the the stuff from McDormand's character, but if I have to be honest, as awesome as it is, and it is, I don't want to undersell it, it's also kind of one note. I mean, it's kind of one thing the entire time, and and I don't mean that in a negative way, but she is she definitely embodies rage, whereas Sam Rockwell, who plays a despicable human being, gives a much more nuanced performance as a mama's boy who's got all these issues at home and is trying to find his way, but he also has this father figure through the police chief, and I think his performance is one of the best that I've seen this year, for no sure. Doubt. So, so, yeah, so, so, overall, I'm going to just agree with you guys and, and just say that this is an interesting movie. It doesn't pick a side. When this movie starts, you, you think this is a very clear-cut thing. There's a, a police officer uh, or a police force that hasn't done their job, and Francis McDormand's calling them out, and we're going to get the ball rolling. But very early on, and so I don't think this is a spoiler, very early on within the first conversation that Willoughby has with McDormand's character, you find out that there's not really much more that the police could have done, or at least it appears that way. And so you see both sides, and for me, films like this work best when there's it's not black and white, but there is some gray. Yeah. Now, we'll get, into, we'll get into the challenging character of Dixon uh, in spoilers because I think some of the con most controversial stuff has been uh, around his character and how he's portrayed and specifically where he goes toward the end. But overall, I'm in agreement with you that this is just, a, just an excellent, excellent movie, not a, a movie that you would expect to say you enjoy, but that you can certainly appreciate. And good acting is good acting uh, no matter what. Before we give any of our further recommendations, anything else that you guys wanted to talk about specifically? Well, yeah, I, I love what you said that um, where, where movies aren't black and white, there's a lot of gray. Um, and that's, that's the biggest strength of this movie is it's all gray. I mean, yeah. it is all gray. There's There's very little time in this movie where I fully 
thought, yes, I want that character to be doing exactly what they're doing right now. Um, I got where they were going. I got why they were doing it. But uh, I don't know if they should be doing that. And that's the entire movie. And it was just it's just so interesting. You don't usually see a movie that says, like I said in, in, in my review, blurry. It's got this blurry line of what is justice? What is vengeance? It never answers the question in the way that you think it's going to answer it. It's spectacular. And if you even get that justice, is it even worth it? Right, yeah, and does absolutely. It do? Yeah, and I'll even go even a step further, Daniel, and say this. I don't know that I even liked Frances McDormand's character yeah. that much. Oh, oh no, I, she, I totally agree with you. She's not a likable lady. And that point, they, they they point that out. Well, I don't want to get into spoilers, but they there's a scene with Peter Dinklage, and that's that's pointed out um, oh, that, that she's not... Uh, she's not a likable character. I'm so glad you brought up Peter Dinklage. I think he gives a great performance as well he in does. this movie. A very a tragic kind of character, but but really really very good. Tyler, anything from you? Anything else that that stood out to you before we give our our recommendations here? You, you guys have hit most of it. I, I really I would just echo the end. You know, we without hitting any spoilers, but you know, this is not a movie that gives us a traditional answer. You know, we don't. This is not a. It's not a police procedural or anything like that. It's nothing is wrapped up nicely and neatly in a in a bow. And we struggle. I, I struggle with every single character throughout it, from her son to her daughter, who we see in, in flashback. Um, especially Sam Rockwell. You know, I've got some some thoughts specifically on him, and we can talk about it in more detail. But it, it is a at the very least, it is a compelling movie, a a, a wonderfully compelling movie that just raises questions um, that, that makes you think and sticks with you. So Tyler, as you know, on our uh, recommendation, we give four options. One is, should people screen this in the theater? Should they rent it? Should they wait and stream it? Or should they skip it altogether? I'm always for seeing things in the theater, if you can, especially if you've got something like Movie Pass, which uh, just, guys, everybody should have Movie Pass right now. But it's a movie that is intense and is impactful. It's got... Um, I wouldn't say it's got the greatest cinematography of all time, but it's got some very good cinematography, and it's. I think it's just worth sitting and seeing in a big screen and letting it kind of wash over you um, with its intensity and its and its impact. Yeah, Daniel, same question. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like I said, I've seen this twice in the theater already, and um, it's it's absolutely worth it. I think, especially because because the movie is as surprising as it is. I think if I was distracted by my phone at home, uh, which I'm often guilty of being, I would maybe miss some of the surprise or maybe it wouldn't have as much of an impact. So uh, absolutely, it is worth seeing in the theater. I agree with that. And I, just as a, as a general rule, I enjoy movies that challenge me, movies that shock me, uh, because I always want to understand why the director is doing what they're doing and what are they trying to say. And I think this is a good example of a, of a filmmaker who has a point of view and he's trying to say something and it will shock you and it may offend you, but that's not the worst thing that can happen in the cinema. So I agree and say, go see this movie in the theater. And with that, we'll move to spoilers for Three Billboards. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got him? But there's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my house in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. And in the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark. 
on that cold. I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. Then I woke up. Okay, guys, so I'd like to start this spoiler section around the character of, of Chief Willoughby and Woody Harrelson. And there's a very interesting thing that happens in this movie. They're very prominent in all of the advertising and the marketing for the film. The movie sets you up to think that this entire movie is going to be back and forth between these two characters. But we learn early on that Chief Willoughby has cancer, and some of the most powerful scenes in this movie are related to his impending illness. I mean, I think specifically of the interrogation scene where she has oh, essentially <laughs> drilled a dentist's uh, finger <laughs> because he was trying to uh, he was trying to hurt her because she was he was the dentist was a fan of the police department. And in the middle of going back and forth in a really well-written dialogue uh, scene, he just shockingly coughs blood right in her face. I mean, that was a very impactful moment for me. But we learn right after that that it's terminal. And so we cut to a scene maybe halfway through the movie of a beautiful day where he's taking his family out for a, a picnic and the kids are playing. He has some romantic time with his wife, uh, romantic in quotes. And then he comes home and puts the kids to bed. He kisses his wife and then he goes out to the, the stables and kills himself. Now, for me, when he went out to the stables, just from a, a, a plot device standpoint, I started thinking, oh, God, he's going to kill himself. Yeah. I didn't know that they'd actually go through with it. And they did. And then we get a voiceover, which I am typically 50-50 on voiceovers, depending on how they work. But that one for me really worked reading the, the, the letter, that suicide note that he left to his wife. And I was really moved by that. But we still have half the movie left. And that character is now gone. And uh, so I was just curious how that did you guys see that coming? Did that work for you? I mean, just what were your reactions to, to that Chief Willoughby's death in the middle of the movie? I didn't really see it coming uh, until, you know, until he got into the stables. But I thought that was so I've been saying that this whole review, just another surprise. I didn't expect him to be taken out because it, it it brings a whole nother level to what Mildred is doing. Um, I mean, because she specifically calls out Chief Willoughby on the billboard. For his name to be on there, you know what kind of impact that's going to have, what it's going to look like on Mildred. So, I, man, I, I it was just... Like everything in this movie, it's just so complex. But I thought it was really interesting. And the way in which he killed himself was, was interesting. Having the... Uh, you know, having a great day with the kids and then leaving these letters and having the bag with the note on his head. It was just really intriguing. Complexity around that whole situation is, is so brilliant between Mildred, Mildred, yeah, like you said, calling out um, Willoughby uh, in the billboards, uh, playing really this chess match with him for the first half of the movie. It is, it's a battle of wits, and, and the two of them together on screen are really compelling together. I, I, I really enjoy watching McDormand and Harrelson work together, and particularly in the scene that Chad mentioned where it's this great sort of, uh, sort of just like test of wills where he's like, Mildred, you can't drill a guy's thumbnail or, you know, he's, he understands her pain. He really does. He gets it. And, and he's, he himself is at a loss because he did try to find his, uh, find her daughter. And it's in the middle of this just intense thing. And he, and he sneezes on her and she, it's, it was his, both of them, man, the, the caliber of those two actors, the moment he sneezes blood all over her face or coughs blood all over her face um, and, and it happens to her. She she shifts on a dime and becomes a human. And, and I, that's what I love about it is and, – and I would, I would contest the one note just a little bit. I, I, I agree with you mostly but there's the moment where 
he sneezes and you see the horror on his face of what he's just done and what has happened to him. And she immediately, she circles around, puts an arm on him, around him and says, it's okay, it's okay. I, I know you didn't mean it. I know you didn't mean it. And she goes out to get help. She becomes a human, a, a mother again, which is just brilliant. Yeah, I love it. I, I love it. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think that's her, her strongest scene uh, in the film, just her reaction, just the look on her face. Oh which is immediate empathy and sadness and understanding and, and the need to then comfort the character who, because ultimately I think underneath it all, she believes yeah. that Willoughby is a good person. She's just so hurt and so desperate that she's willing to do literally anything to get some sort of action and resolution. Cause ultimately this movie is a search for her peace. She just wants to have peace uh, and closure. I thought that the I thought that specifically the, the different things that happen between these two characters. You mentioned the battle of wills and the chess match. Uh, we get one of those moves there where after uh, the, oh. the 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 chief has died, that we we learn that he actually paid <laughs> five thousand dollars to keep the billboards so up good. that were assaulting or not assaulting, <laughs> but that were confronting him. And it's just a great. It's just so great. Uh, and he says he says it's because I thought it would be funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it is. Hate you a little bit more for it. It's right. So good. Yeah. It's like checkmate, and I'm dead. So what are you gonna yeah. do? You know, it's just oh, it's so it's good. it's absolutely excellent stuff, which then takes us to the to the next oh part of this gosh. film, which turns more into now a story about Dixon. Yeah. And this is what I was talking about when I said controversial. There is no doubt that Dixon is a racist. Yeah. Uh, it is inferred that he has tortured. Uh, a, 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 I, I don't. Did you guys think it was the guy that That's was doing was the billboards at the beginning? No, no, I, I don't think it is at all, because at first he says something like, don't I know you? And he says something about Sergeant. I think it's just that the, the case, whatever, whatever Dixon did beating a black guy was, was news in this town. And so that's what the guy, the billboard guy was saying. He just, he knew that it was, that it was him who had tortured, tortured some guy. Gotcha. So it's an open secret uh, in this town. And, and let me say this too, having lived my life in three small, uh, well, I lived in Atlanta, so let me say two small southeastern United States towns. I can actually say that uh, growing up, there were, and I'm not talking about like police violence things, but there were things that you would hear, right, in a small town, and people just kind of turned their head the other way and were open secrets. And so on the one hand, while I be- I'm appalled by what the character did, I also kind of buy that in a town like this, it could happen. Because one of the problems that I have and one of the controversial things here is as we memorialize you know, Chief Willoughby's character is that Dixon is an open racist and a terrible cop. He's yeah. not good at his job. He's, He's a horrible person. And yet Chief Willoughby allows him to stay in his job. One of the things, one of the problems that I had with this movie, and one of the problems that I think that a lot of articles have been written about, is the fact that we give Chief Willoughby a pass for trying to mentor this guy, I guess, quote-unquote, while at the same time he should have been fired 30 times over. Did that <laughs> bother you guys at all? It did. Um, that's that's kind of one of the overall problems of this movie, is that th- the movie is so focused, rightfully so, on, on this chess match, on Francis plays a role, then the cops do something, and back and forth, that there's actually no consequences for what they're actually doing. Any and of them. Any, of there's them a lot of things um, that they do that, that people 
people should be arrested for and, or you know or worse and so and there's never any consequences no never any real substantial consequences so that's that's one of my biggest things but i i understand why they maybe had dixon stay on why willoughby hadn't fired him because that's also very real that happens we see that all the time sure. um and so i don't know i'm a little torn on that i understand um, we haven't gotten to the end yet, but I, I, people complain about the kind of whole arc of Dixon's character, and that I think I understand a little bit better. But maybe we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, this the the character of Dixon goes through so many. You know, I mentioned earlier about escalating, and so he's had this back and forth with the the owner of the billboards, whose office is directly across the street from the police station, and in one. Now, from just a film nerd standpoint and from somebody, you know, that works behind the camera just about every day, an immaculately shot uh, Steadicam sequence. That's my favorite Uh, sequence of the entire uh, year. So awesome. He walks across the street in a single shot up the stairs, breaks the glass, attacks this guy, beats him. I mean, mercilessly pistol whips him and his assistant punches his uh, female assistant and throws him out the window down uh you know onto the street below and then he walks back down and then beats him again on the street in front of people it's an awful awful scene and at the same time i agree that the most effective scene in the film and another example of no consequences because i thought for sure this is it he's going to jail this time but no no that's the weirdest thing because that that's i think my biggest problem because that's the best scene in the movie one of the, the best sequences of the whole year in any movie for me and he just walks away like and that there's no justification i at least for something that francis does when she when she firebombs the the police station they kind of make an excuse of why she didn't get in trouble for it it's it's weak but they they make it for dixon they make literally no excuses he just doesn't get in trouble and it makes no sense and he gets fired, but it's only because it seems like he. It's only because he talked back to the right. guy who's replacing Willoughby, yeah. to the new who, chief. Yeah, who he beat the guy in front of him. The guy <laughs> I know. saw it. Yeah. So they, they, I don't. I don't understand what the thinking was there. I almost feel like there's a scene they cut out or something. Yeah. I don't know. Why, I don't have a clue why he didn't get in trouble. Yeah. yeah, it makes it makes no sense. And so he so then, you know, McDormand's character firebombs, as you mentioned, Daniel, firebombs the police station in the middle of the night just so happens that Dixon is inside. He makes a decision. Dixon does at the last minute to grab the file of, of Mildred's daughter's case, but he can't get out. He jumps through the fire. He gets set on fire and Mildred runs down and puts him out, which now puts Dixon into the hospital in coincidence of all coincidence (laughs) in the same room with the guy who he just beat. And I think they tried to have a little forced sentimentality there, although it worked a little bit. So Welby who was beaten mercilessly by Dixon is, is in the hospital room with him. And once he recognizes it, he freaks out uh, after offering him orange juice, but then comes back and gives him orange juice and shows him mercy and humanity. And I think we're supposed to believe that this is kind of the the genesis, although we see it with the police file, I, of Dixon starting to turn the corner. I'm not really sure because I think a lot of the people that have a problem with the arc, and I am one of them, like in the theater, in my notes I wrote, I don't know that this is deserved where we're going, and we'll get there in just a second, but how did that scene specifically affect you? Because I feel like that's where they start to try to make us turn the corner on Dixon. I, I would actually disagree with, with that being the point. I mean, that, I think that's a continuation of it. I actually think it starts with the letter that he gets from Willoughby in yeah. the police station. Um, it's, it's, 
another time, so Willoughby is, you know, he's killed himself and he is giving these letters. We, we get a couple of letters from him after he has died. And really, I think that the, the pivotal point for Dixon is where Willoughby has always been the one who believed in him, which is why he goes so crazy. Not justified, but just why he goes crazy after Willoughby dies. That's why he goes over and, and shoves the guy at the window and beats him and stuff like that. It's because this is his father figure who has died. And, uh, and to him, it's Mildred is the cause of it. Willoughby is the only person in his entire life who believes in him. His mother doesn't really... His mother, yeah, cares for him, but she is really the source of just egging him on yeah, racially sure. and all this other stuff. And being a bad cop, you know, she she tells him to go... to go uh, Or to go frame... Um, no, not to frame. Uh, to, to go arrest um, Mildred's friend, you know, to put the pressure yeah. on her and stuff like that. And, um, and, and, I, and I think that's... The spark of it is is you know Willoughby's death compounded by the fact that we that he finally has somebody who very literally I mean it's explicit so it's not subtle in, in any way but it, you know Willoughby finally just says you could be a good cop you could do this I wish I had seen it a second time to to get that quote down a little bit better but he turns from being this like sort of racist deputy Dewey from Scream, which is all I saw him for the first half. I just saw him as, as <laughs> David. That Arquette. hadn't occurred to me. Oh <laughs> my the gosh. O- the only a super thing. evil and racist yeah. deputy Dewey. And the whole time, even down to his, he's got a limp or a weird way of walking, which is, you know, what, what David Arquette has later on. I, I only saw him as that for that's a while. That's great. And that's the shift. Um, though from that moment is the shift. And, and I wouldn't say he begins to walk straight or anything like that. In fact, he's burned badly and is worse off. But he, it's the shift toward him. I would not say becoming a good person, but toward at least recognizing that he has to do something better with his life. Yeah, I think I think the letter I, – I, I don't know. I see both sides. I see I see why people have a problem with the arc. I see that letter as having a huge impact because he he reads this letter that not just says you could be a good cop, but it says try love, you yeah. know, love. You, he says he's filled with so much anger. Why are you filled with so much anger? Try love. And um, and then immediately after that is the firebomb. And he says, yeah. I need to grab this file. That's step one. And then step two is he's in the hospital room and Red gives him even even as pissed as he has a right to be and 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 Dixon is saying I'm sorry but Red is pissed and yeah. rightfully so but he still he chooses love and he gives him the orange juice anyway and it's a small thing but so those things I I I see Chad why you might think that's too easy I I understand that and I can't really refute that but it kind of worked for me I get it. And it's not to say that it was it completely broke the film for me because it did not. I just thought it was too fast and too although, you know, you could say, well, the man just got almost burned alive and his father figure has been who has killed himself and so typically change comes from trauma and major life altering events. So I get that. It just seems it just felt a little bit I guess from a tonal standpoint, I didn't really fully embrace the idea that we are somehow to turn that corner and then embrace this character and and, and cheer on his redemption slash reconciliation with Mildred. I just I felt that I felt it was a little too quick and too convenient for me to to, to fully embrace it. 
Yeah, so after that, we got to talk about the ending very, very yeah, quickly. No so what happens is we learn there's a character that we're introduced to that the, the movie wants us to think is the guy. And in a further redemption uh, arc for Dixon, he overhears this guy saying what he thinks is a confession to his buddy of the crime, bragging about it. So he goes in, and in a self-sacrificial kind of way, he scratches the guy's face to get his oh, DNA. That was so brilliant. Right. It was great. And the guy beats beats uh, Dixon. But when he goes into the to the hospital, he tells, you know, tells everybody he's got the DNA. They run the DNA. Dixon then has a, a meeting with Mildred where he tells her that he thinks they got the guy. And so we have this moment of hope and then we get the DNA back. And the new chief of police, who doesn't give Dixon his job back, to the, to the movie's credit, but tells him he did a really good job, he did a good thing, says, it can't be that guy, he was out of the country. And so our, our hopes are dashed again, but what we actually learn is that Mildred thanks him just for having one day of hope, which I thought was a, a beautiful sentiment uh, at that part of the film. But there's a, fo- a, f- a follow-up phone call that says, this guy wasn't the killer of your daughter, but he or r- the rapist, but he is a rapist, and let's go get him. And so the movie ends in a very unconventional way where we've got a road trip beginning with Mildred and Dixon, and they're on their way. And one of the last things they say is, are, are you sure you're, I'm paraphrasing, but are you sure you're ready for this? And Mildred says, what, killing this this rapist? And she says, no, I'm not sure. And Dixon says, yeah, me either. And then the movie ends. So I just got to get your thoughts. Tyler, how did that hit you? It, again, was surprising because you you think that it's finally shifted into, oh, they're going to figure out who it is and, and we're going to get this nice wrapped up bow. And then that's it. Uh, and, you know, it shifts into this other this whole other thing. And I think it is very important that we that we don't get the answer, but they also – that they also still say we'll decide on the way. They haven't made up their mind to do it. And and just with the way that this movie has gone, I bet you if we had seen, you know, another 10 minutes, just just extended a little bit more, they could have talked themselves out of it. You know, I, I there's don't know. No, there's no question to me they, that they did not go through with it. I, I think that, I think, yes, the movie ends ambiguously, but uh, I think, I think it's very clear that they are not ready for this. They have given up. I think they've they've seen over the course of this film that vengeance is not the way, right. and they know that they 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 left on the road trip because vengeance is all they know still. But as they're driving, they know that this is not the way. Right. Yeah, and I think for me that was the point too is that they're still so hurt and still so raw that they are they have not come to the place where they can, especially Mildred's character, where she can stop from at least attempting to do something but I do think that once they're actually together on the way they realize that all of this all of this that has happened all of this escalation all of this pain on top of pain serves no purpose and that even if they get vengeance on this person it will do nothing except make them feel worse so I agree that it is a it's a scenario where I don't believe that they went through it those are our thoughts for three billboards outside Ebbing Missouri again a big thanks to Tyler for joining us today uh, and I just want to echo again if you get a chance to go see this movie you absolutely should because it is a great one so thanks Tyler thanks for joining us thank you that was a really exciting it was a lot of fun And with that, let's move to our second bonus review of Lady Bird. 
I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, like How New in the York. World did I race or at least snow. Connecticut or New Hampshire, sure, where writers live in the woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! You should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. <laughs> Ladybird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Ladybird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. But there are actual train tracks. What she did was very baller. It was very anarchist. Put the magazine back! <laughs> She has a big heart, your mom. She's warm, but she's also kind of scary. You can't be scary and warm. I think you can, your mom is. So, you're not interested in any Catholic colleges? No way. I want schools like Yale, but not Yale because I probably couldn't get in. <laughs> you definitely couldn't get in. Lady Bird has been sweeping the nation, uh, even in limited release. It has been making great box office and really uh, taking uh, taking the world by storm. It is written and directed by actress Greta Gerwig, who does not appear in the movie. Uh, it's her solo directorial debut, uh, and the film is notable for having a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And in fact, it is uh, it has more reviews and remained at 100% than any other film, essentially making it the best-reviewed film of all time on wow. Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, beating, interestingly, Toy Story 2, uh, which, uh, quick trivia, Chad, what, what do those two films have in common, Toy Story 2 and Lady Bird? Huh. You got me, Daniel. I, I don't know. They both star Laurie Metcalf as the mom. So uh, ah, so there you okay. go. So anyway, quick trivia for you. So Lady Bird, written and directed by Greta Gerwig, stars Saoirse Ronan as the title character of Lady Bird. Uh, like I said, Laurie Metcalf as the mom, Lucas Hedges, Timothy Chalamet. Uh, tons of people are in this movie, Beanie Feldstein. It is going to be a major contender at this year's Oscars. We'll do what we did uh, for Three Billboards. We'll talk a little bit about the Oscars before we dive into our review. This film is certainly going to be a big player uh, in picture. As Judging by the 100% Rotten Tomatoes, it's very inoffensive. Uh, everybody likes this movie, so it, it could right. be a huge role. I'm not sure that it... It has a shot at winning Best Picture just because of how well-loved it is. I'm not so sure that it can do that, but it will certainly be nominated in all the major categories. Greta Gerwig has a great shot at being only the fifth woman to ever be nominated for Best Director, which is just shocking. Saoirse Ronan, Laurie Metcalf, they're all going to uh, make plays, and Laurie Metcalf is uh, sweeping the Critics' Awards as of right now. She's won the Critics' Award at almost for Best Supporting Actress at, at almost all the groups so far, so she's certainly the frontrunner for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on uh, Lady Bird at the Oscars? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that Metcalf is is as close to, I don't want to say a lot, but she's definitely a front runner yeah. uh, for sure. I also, I have a hard time believing that Lady Bird will, would win, have a legitimate shot to win Best Picture, yeah. just exactly because of what you said. It is kind of inoffensive and everybody just likes it. And there's not a, necessarily a strong groundswell one way or the other around an issue or something like that with the movie like The Post or something like that that's still to come. Right. So, uh, but yeah, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, I would have, I'd have zero problem uh, if Metcalf were to, uh, were to win. She's fantastic in this movie. Yeah, so. I totally agree. Uh, well, with that, let's um, let's dive into our review. Chad, what did you think of Lady Bird? Now, here's the thing, Daniel. As is well documented uh, on our show, 
I don't follow you <laughs> on social media. <laughs> I mean, I do, but any t- I, you give your you give your like uh, snapshot reviews on on your social channels as soon as you see a movie, and most of the time you you're able to see these movies before me, and because you, you live in a big city where they have early screenings. Hashtag and all stuff West Coast and stuff. Life. That's it, man. Uh, yeah, you leave, matter of fact, you're you're drivable to L.A. now, That's so you, right. there's no telling. It's like a whole new world. It is. So I try to stay fresh. You know, I don't look at Rotten Tomatoes, don't watch trailers. All that stuff, but if I had to guess, I'm going to say that you absolutely adore this movie. You know, again, I won't put words in your mouth, but this to me feels like a Daniel Howitt movie. Like when I left the theater, I actually thought this is a Daniel movie if I've ever watched one. It's, it checks off all of maybe the boxes. I'll surprise you. <laughs> I don't think so. But, uh, like this literally checks all the boxes that Daniel loves. And here's the thing: it does for me too. I love coming of age movies. I love. All of the, you know, the themes that it explores specifically related to all the things that the best coming of age movies explore. Teen friendships that seem so vitally important. First love, first sexual encounters, the first time you realize that your parents are real people that are fallible and make mistakes and you're butting heads with them because you're trying to assert yourself and make decisions for yourself while at the same time loving your parents and wanting to kill them at the same time. I get all of that stuff and I relate to it and and love it. But here's the thing with this movie that I don't I don't get from me. I think this movie is really good. I really do. I think Saoirse Ronan is is great. I, and again, I think Laurie Metcalf is uh, Academy Award level good in this movie. I love the character of the father in this movie. Um, I, I don't think there are any bad performances. I think the writing is is really stellar. So all the things, you know, you know, the opening car scene that we just heard in the trailer is one of the funniest scenes, you know, all year. <laughs> go to jail. And come back. It's just so good. And yet the movie overall to me didn't fully land. It didn't fully connect in a way that I just love it. I just really like it. I don't I'm not offended by it. I don't have any major problems. Now, the movie's not perfect and we can talk about some of that in spoilers, but I don't have any major issues with the movie. It just didn't for me I don't get the hundred percent where this is the best reviewed movie of all time and I understand it's not a zero out of a hundred it's just uh, everybody likes it but for me I I can't say that I like a perfect example uh, Edge of 17 was a movie for me last year I was was gonna bring that up yeah right it's a movie that was in my top three of the of the year last year I bought that movie on blu-ray I've watched it five or six times I adore that movie and I thought I was gonna get that same kind of connection with this movie, but I just didn't. So it's a strange film for me because I think that all of the things that I said are right. You know, like it, it checks all the boxes. It has all the quirky performances, all the right subject matter. It's shot very competently. Uh, the writing is really excellent. It's funny and it's also moving. Now it has one scene in particular when we get into spoilers I want to talk about that I mean just almost wrecked me just out of the blue. It just really was very powerful. But outside of that one scene, I just have to say that I understand why people like this movie. I'm having a harder time crossing the bridge over into Loveland and just saying, man, Man, I love it because for me, I just didn't. So I'm in that weird in-between area where I don't, it's, I'm not negative. I don't want to say anything 
bad about it per se, but I also can't get on the full train of this is one of the best of the year because for me it, it wasn't. And I'm almost like disappointed and ashamed of myself because it should be because uh, it feels like for me this is also my kind of movie. I love these kind of movies, but I just couldn't I just couldn't go all the way there. Very interesting. Well, we'll definitely talk more about uh, maybe what it is that you that didn't quite grab yeah. you. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to surprise you too much, Chad. But um, <laughs> this is this is my favorite movie of the year by, <laughs> of by a country is. mile. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> uh, so I have seen this movie twice now, again, and uh, it is for me. It's it's very nearly flawless. As we're talking, I'm I'm very very interested to hear your negative thoughts um, because I like as I'm sitting here. Uh, trying to be as objective as possible. I really, I can think Your of nothing. Your heart won't let you be objective. No, I can't think of anything <laughs> negative. Like I'm, tr- like I try to nitpick. Even when I love a movie, um, when I'm, I'm very secure in my love for a movie, I'll try to nitpick it. And like with Three Billboards, I love that there were issues. There were certainly issues that I can point out. With this one, I really, I've got very little. Scratch that. I've got nothing negative to say about this movie. Um, <laughs> and and so that's why I'm so curious to hear what you have to say. Um, so this is. For for me just so good um the character character of ladybird she's so real she is so fully fleshed out it's, it's her coming to terms with all the relationships in her life not just her friends and boys but with her mom and with her own identity just with her as a person sure. and Saoirse Ronan gives a just a flawless performance and is layered with depth with honesty she feels so authentic she's she's perfectly filled with all the confusion angst and misplaced confidence that you would expect from a high school senior and and it goes without saying like you like you already said Laurie Metcalf is incredible I, I think she brings life to the to to the character that so many people know so well whether it's your own mom or, or parent or somebody else's but it's the mom that you love or that that loves you so much but she shows it through trying to change you. She wants to make you into who right. she wants you to be. And and that's such a it's such a real character that I feel like we haven't seen as much of on screen or at least not in such an authentic way. I think we've seen this character as a little bit more cartoonish, you know, over the top. Um, sure. but, but this is so relatable, so real of a character. My my mom is not like that at all. Um, but but I I've seen this this I've seen this mom before, you know, and so it's just it's beautiful, and 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 she's so amazing because there is no villain in the movie. It would be so easy for Laurie Metcalf's character to be the villain, and she's just not. It's 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 a lot more complex than that. But furthermore, uh, other than just being authentic, I mean, it's this movie's hilarious. The comedy in Lady Bird is so strong, and it's strong because it's real. There's a moment where Lady Bird and her friend Julie are are listening to Crash Into Me, and. I laughed out loud. I that that scene makes me laugh so hard every time I see it. It's it's hilarious because their their emotions are so high school, um, yep. and I just I just really love it. So this movie blew me away. Um, and and one thing I, I was a little surprised you didn't mention. I'm curious if you felt the same way. Um, I thought the editing of this movie was surprisingly one of the best things about it. I mean, this movie flies. I I didn't feel like there was any fat. There are transitions that are done just just solely through editing where time will change you know there's a scene where she gets her cast off and it's just it's maybe a one second scene with three shots doctor's office uh buzzsaw on the cast cast going in the trash can 
cut an hour and now we're three months later or whatever right. it is. And it just yeah. the editing is just so strong. And you don't usually see such strong editing from just, you know, a, a, a comedy. And so that was just really impressive to me. And this that same scene with Crash Into Me is one of the best cuts of the year. And we'll talk more about that in spoilers. I love that. So obviously yeah. I could talk on and on and on about this movie. So I'll, I'll stop now. But bottom line, you, you need to see this movie. It's my favorite of the year. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. I agree with you, Daniel, that this is, it's a, it's a really good movie and we don't have to wait until we get to spoilers to talk about maybe some of the reasons that it didn't fully land with me. I agree that there's no fat in this movie. I think the runtime is, is pretty short, like maybe an hour and 35 minutes yeah. or something like that. And it does, it, it explores a lot of things that are very interesting. And you mentioned the, you mentioned the friend there uh, played by um, uh, Beanie, is it Feldstein? Yeah, or Feldstein. Who is Jonah Hill's sister. I don't know if you knew that. Jonah Hill's sister, right. And she's great in yeah. This movie. She really I, is. I totally, totally bought the relationship. The kind of there's a moment in the trailer that they're fighting with each other, and it's the most high school fight ever. <laughs> it's like it immediately starts insulting each other's families, and it's just so there. There are lots of great things in here. I did. I also appreciated the fact that overriding all of this stuff is is also issues of. I guess the word, I guess I'd have to say class. And so yeah. the, the finances describe this. And so it was interesting when we're talking about the different classes is that you've got this family who feels, who goes to, has two good jobs, right? The parents are struggling a little and they're at a, a school where they are embarrassed by what they have yeah. and they're always trying to get more and hide who they are. And she tells her best friend, uh, you know, I want to get too spoilery, but that she lives in a place that she actually doesn't live. And those pressures are real. And I I enjoyed, I enjoyed the fact that it didn't shy away from that. I think that uh, Gerwig has said this is somewhat autobiographical. It's a, it's an interesting movie, which is why I don't, I need to see this movie again because I don't understand why I don't fully love it. I do feel like because this is essentially a year in the life of this person. Mm -hmm. There's not a consistent kind of story that we're driving through to tell, you know, one kind of thing, which is fine. I, I'm, I'm fine with that kind of approach. And so the best that I can gather is I maybe felt like it was a little bit, the way that it hit me a little bit, it was kind of scene to scene to scene to scene of really cool kinds of things, but the interconnected tissue of where we were going just didn't grab me enough because I didn't feel that consistent through line and maybe that's an unfair criticism I don't know I need to see it again but because because when I left I was going through everything I'd written down and there's nothing I could say that was like oh this was a bad performance or this wasn't it just felt a little paint by numbers for me so whether that's fair or unfair I can only respond unfair you know, how, how it hit me <laughs> you know hey there's all we have to have our la la land hill to die on you love la la land I don't this it year, will it's always be ladybird Lady it should it, always it, be ladybird <laughs> I hear you although unlike la la land I think this is actually a really pretty strong movie oh, so I'll leave you're it trying to get me riled up now <laughs> yeah so, so I, I I'm I'm disappointed. So, so there's nothing you can really point to. It just didn't didn't quite connect. Yeah, it was just it was it was quick. You know, honestly, maybe if there were another ten or fifteen minutes for me, because I think the most the most interesting stuff to me was around the the not just the mother daughter relationship, but the father daughter relationship. Yeah, and that dichotomy of. Uh, the dad who is, you know, out of a job and is trying to help the help uh, Lady Bird achieve what she wants to do without telling the mom and and 
the love that is displayed and all that, that's more interesting. And while that's certainly in there, maybe another 10 or 15 minutes would have would have helped with the emotional center for me a little bit. Because like I said, it's not a bad movie. I can't say it's, there's nothing bad about it. It's just, I can't say, I can't shout from the mountaintops like you are and just say, I love this movie. It's one of the best of the year. I wish I could. I just, just couldn't. It's a bummer. One one thing that I that I wanted to talk about um, that really I loved, and especially the second time I saw it, uh, was how well rounded even even the smaller characters are. Um, like I'm, I think about Shelley, who is Lady Bird's brother's girlfriend. She has maybe yeah. three lines in the movie, three or four, but she is so so fully fleshed out even in those couple character in those couple lines um yeah. as well as her brother and her dad who don't have play as big of a role but then even even characters like the the drama teacher that the the first drama teacher that they have you see this emotion in these characters even though we have no idea really what's going on with them they're just they're very real and um i was just i just love that that much detail was put into these characters and I will agree with that. The one thing, if I, the one overarching thing that I think a lot of people have said and that I agree with related to this film is that it is authentic. Yeah. It feels it feels and behaves in a way that people at these stages of their lives feel and behave. I mean, I found myself, even though my my son is only five, I found myself oftentimes siding with the mom and mm. and being like, "Yeah, you, I need to help my child because." They don't understand. And at the same time, I empathize with the character of Lady Bird because they're trying to do what they think is right for them. And so it's it's as real and authentic of a coming-of-age movie as, as I think that we've ever had. It certainly feels very real. And that's why I loved it um, because there's no, like I said, there's no villain. Uh, I, I didn't, I don't, not sure that I cited as much with the mom maybe as you did but i un- i always understood her i never found her cartoonish or just unnecessarily mean or anything like that and and right. that's i think that's another reason why i love this movie is i i don't feel that there there are the coming of age tropes and like with edge of 17 great as the movie is I, I find it filled with tropes it may subvert them at times or do something but it's it's always in the uh coming of age teen comedy box and this one I don't feel it is a coming of age teen comedy but I never felt like it was in that box I felt like it always came from another it's it's a different genre it feels like that's fair so uh, I guess we can dive we, we, there's not a lot to talk in the spoilers about but I want to just touch on a, a few different things before we do that we're gonna go and give our recommendations uh, I think it's fairly obvious what we're gonna see but Chad should people see this in theaters? Should they rent it? Should they stream it if they've already got a platform? Or should they skip it? I don't want my negativity or my perceived negativity to to make people think that this is not a theatrical-worthy experience. It absolutely is. Uh, Magnificent performances, great ensemble cast, moments of real real hilarity. It's it's a really good movie, and you definitely should see it in the theater. I, I support movies like this wholeheartedly. Awesome. Glad to hear that. Yeah, um, I think it's pretty obvious that I think you should see this in the theaters. Uh, now, nothing. I don't think anything will be lost on you if you rent this. 
Um, this is a good rental, but this is the best movie in theaters right now. It's the best movie that's been in theaters this year. So, mm. uh, nope, it's a fact. So you need to, <laughs> so you need to go see it, uh, see it before you see three billboards, go, go see this in the theater for sure. All right. And with that, we will move into spoilers. You're listening to the screeners podcast. All right, Chad, I wanted to briefly touch on that uh, crash into me scene or really what, what precedes that just because that's that's one of the best uh, yeah. and fastest sequences of the year. Uh, so Lady Bird and, well, all, all the drama team are celebrating their first performance or whatever it is. Uh, they're at a restaurant. Long line for the women's bathroom. Lady Bird and Julie decide that they're going to just let's just use the men's because there's never a line for the men's. Who cares? So they go in there. They burst in. And her boyfriend, played by Lucas Hedges. I forget the character's name. Lucas Hedges is kissing another boy. And they burst in and immediately run out as soon as they've seen what they've seen. And then it quick cut to the girls lying down in reclined seats in a car blasting crash into me singing along with it and crying uh and i love that sequence um and and the editing is just so strong i can't believe how how well edited this movie is did you like that sequence i did it's a great sequence too and it speaks to the the larger fact of this movie being authentic is that you have this boyfriend number one character lucas hedges which is uh, the character's name is danny o'neill right right and he's the one and it, my first love and it's going to be special and wonderful and and then that ends uh, in a very unexpected <laughs> and horrible way from her perspective and then the second part of the movie we have love number two which is the <laughs> angsty boyfriend he's who like reads Kierkegaard and he's just a complete <laughs> jerk you know but but that's so authentic it's so teen life it's whatever's in front of you at the moment is the most important thing but I did love that scene and, and specifically that character of Danny O'Neill the the scene that I referenced earlier that really wrecked me and, and honestly brought me to tears in like two seconds unexpectedly yeah. is after that uh, of course they break up and she's mad at him understandably so and he comes to where she works at a coffee shop and meets her in a back alley after they've been apart, but they've yet to to talk. And he's just apologizing and apologizing. And he says, I feel so ashamed of himself. And he breaks down and collapses into her arms. And it was it's a it's such a heartbreaking and beautiful moment yeah. uh, in the in the middle of that movie. And it just really comes out of nowhere because up to this point that level of kind of emotion had not happened to me. And so it was just, it was a beautiful moment. I loved it. When I think back over it, there are these moments that stood out that are really, you know, really outstanding. So, but yeah, that's a, that's a great, that's a great sequence. The whole thing, and that that arc is good. That alleyway scene, what I love is, is before he breaks down, he's just um, trying to basically, apologize he hasn't broken down he's not he doesn't even seem like he's really close to it he's just he's just sorry and she's pissed at him you know understandably she's understandably and she's she's standing there just just being mad at him and and says you're gay you know and just just is is really mad at him and then he starts exactly like you said starts breaking down being ashamed but it what i love is the tonal shift it's so natural and seamless it goes from jokes to crying and it never feels like it's never jarring it's never a a whiplash it 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 really feels very natural and real and man i i just i love that so you also mentioned timothy chalamet's character kyle and he is a very specific type of high school kid 
yep. that I loved because he is so obnoxious. He's just a tool. Uh, I don't even I don't even believe in currency. I want to barter. <laughs> but yeah, it's insane. What I love is that again, he yes, he's this very specific type of high school kid, but they don't push into cartoony at all he's he's very believably douchey because even you see you see the hints of him being a normal kid where he says he's in his dad has cancer and he's you know just in catholic school for his dad you know all that stuff right. so it's I, I just love how how the all, all the characters are so fully fleshed out the character of played by Stephen Henderson the first first drama teacher father yeah. is it Le- Leviatch or, or something like that yeah Every scene that that guy's in, he is just a magnificent actor. I yeah. just always forget him every time I see him. So, yeah, I agree. All these characters feel authentic. Like, there was never a moment where... Now, the second drama coach, as the football teacher, that's the closest thing to a kind of, okay, there's kind of a limit there. But even I- that I'll was give you funny. That. I'll give you but that. But it was a little bit ridiculous. Oh, we're going to come in from the left. You're right. But, so, but, you know what? As I'm sitting here, I, I said I couldn't think of anything negative to say. I will I will concede that. That is a negative, I think. All right, that's a victory. I yes. got you to say one <laughs> negative thing. But that's not my goal. It, overall, <laughs> no, that actually is my goal, Daniel. You should. You, you can't call this movie perfect. It's very nearly first, perfect. This is like the review where you were like, there's literally nothing bad I can say about it. So, I found one. So, <laughs> if anything, this review has served that, that one there purpose. There you go. So, uh, overall, obviously, I could, I could keep talking about this movie. Um, is there anything you want to say about the end about her her going off to New York I love the fact that when she went to the airport and her mom was hurt and didn't want to see her you know all the way to that when her mom turned around and came back that it was too late because yeah. in, mo- in a lesser movie they would have been able to catch each other at the security gate so I like that I also like the fact that instead of ending the movie right after that is that it showed when she went to uh, to college to this first place that it didn't fix all of her problems right because yeah. a lesser movie would have done that too it's like you got what you wanted now what does that actually mean because guess what wherever you go life is still there and there are still challenges so I, I liked it I liked it a lot and I like the fact that it came around and said and by the way you really do love Sacramento. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I have nothing more to add about the ending. I, I thought it was really impactful. But I just want to, before we end, I just want to ring the bell of Saoirse Ronan one more time. I mean, she She's is great. She is amazing. And what I love is, is how transformative she really is. For one, I I have, I, I don't know if you do this, Chad. Whenever I'm watching something, I, I can hear, I'm like, that person doing an American accent, I think they're British. And then I'll look it up and I'm like, always right. Um, right. And she has a very strong Irish accent, and you can never hear it in this movie. Agreed. And, agreed. and not only that, I think back to Brooklyn. Even just what she looked like in Brooklyn, she looked older and like she had yeah. lived life and uh, all this. She, you totally buy her as a high school senior. Yeah, she sure. looks like a high school senior, and she acts like it, and she's got acne in this movie. And, you know, yeah. like I just – everything about her performance and her character – I, I just love. I think she is fantastic in this movie. So I, I agree. I, I won't disagree with that too. And and if anything, this definitely is has me very excited about whatever it is that Greta Gerwig is doing next. Yes, for sure. she is. And, and you know what's funny is I was never a fan of Greta Gerwig as an actress. The only thing I really liked her in was 20th Century Women last year. Other than that, yeah. she kind of annoys me. But man, as a writer director, she is fantastic. So yeah. I'm very excited to see what comes next. And and Timothy, a lot of these a lot of these young 
actors. I'm so excited. Timothy Chalamet is in Call Me By Your Name, which I saw a few weeks ago, and he's amazing in that. Um, yeah, I've yet to see that. I'm looking forward to it. Lucas Hedges is great. We saw him last year. I mean, just all all this cast. Beanie Feldstein, I, I've not seen her anything anything before this, and she's just amazing. She's so good. So, um, yeah. okay, enough. All right, I will, I will stop now. I'll stop talking about it. No, uh, you won't. We're going to hear about this for the next three months. That is true. I'm going to reference this on every podcast from here on out. All right, that is our review of Lady Bird as well as our review of Three Billboards. I want to thank Tyler again for joining us. You can always check out The Next Trek, his podcast with Chris Farrell, and it is a great show. You can follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at ScreenersCast, and we'll always keep up with you and keep in the conversation. Join us next time for our very special and anticipated episode where we review The Last Jedi. We'll see you then. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.